Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode on the Soulful Eclectic. I am your host, Diana Collins, and I want to welcome you today to this episode. If this is the first time you're visiting me, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen, to try us out for size, to see if we are a podcast for you. And I'm going to say welcome to you all. If this is you returning and you just enjoy or, you know, just feel like you want to drop in every now and then. And then um, to the podcast, I want to say, well, welcome back, welcome back, and welcome back. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time out to come back and join us for today's episode. And I, you know what, this episode is going to be so much fun. Um, I, I can't even, I mean, it's just, it's one of those episodes that I just enjoy doing and um, enjoy talking to this individual. He is amazing. Uh, his name is Sean LaShawn and he is, um, he has created an, a safe zone for uh, sex workers, kinksters, queer and tra- trans individuals of color and he's the co-founder of Molly House Project. Um, he's the creator of the virtual boot black jam and also he's a consultant with Reframe Health and Justice and you know what I've had a conversation with Sean and I tell you the moment we started talking the vibe the energy was just amazing and um we couldn't even just stop talking, but we all had we both had things that we had to go back and do, so we had to cut our conversation short. But he has so graciously decided to come back to talk with us and you know share with us who he is, how he became his authentic self, and how he shows his authentic self when he is out in society and in public and how he's just authentic with everything that he does and and you know, how he helps those in the community. And I wanted to share that with um, everyone that is listening. So with that, I bring today my new friend, little brother, I would say, uh, Sean LaShawn. So I am going to have you introduce yourself and let's begin. Why are self intros always hard? Like, as if talking about ourselves is not just a thing. Exactly. Um, (laughs) I'm Sean. I'm Sean. Sean, he, him, they, them pronouns, no preference. Um, I am a black, queer, trans, masculine, et cetera, et cetera, person currently based in the Midwest out of Wisconsin. Um, Co founder of Molly House Project, creator of Virtual Blue Black Jam. Um, I also do some consulting around social justice issues with Reproductive Health and Justice, which is a cutie POC um, consultant collective. Um, I have my hands on lots of things. I do lots of stuff. A lot of my work supports kinksters, sex workers, leather folk, queer and trans people of color. Um, historically, I've kind of focused a lot in public health and in sex ed is kind of my avenues for how I work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. There's lots of words. That's but you know what that's great because it is it, so much what you're doing is so needed. Um, I think you and I had the conversation in the beginning where I'm like, uh, it's, as weird as it sounds, I love to teach people about sex and sex education because yes. it's a part that no one wants to talk about. You know, and and I, as a nurse, nurse practitioner, nurse educator, I'm like so all about it that my patients used to look at me like I was crazy, like, 
are you really asking me about my sex life? I'm like, yes, uh, I am. Because you just had surgery and you're going to go home and you are married. So I need you to know <laughs> you can't have like, sex. <laughs> it's it's wild. Like I've had so many just in the it, in the way of like doing work and in the way of just living like my own navigating healthcare experiences and stuff. Um, the avoidance people have. Like with my provider, I'm, and I'm also usually an educator to my provider. I'm super up on like, so look, here's what I do. These are my kinks. I like to do this, 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 this. If you happen to see like a random bruise, ask me about it before making assumptions. Da, 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 da. And that's something we talk about in like kink ed too, especially if you're like a bottom for kink. Mm-hmm. Have conversations with your providers because if you walk in there and they're doing an exam and you've got a big old bruise on the back of your you know, shoulder because you were playing, they're going to make assumptions and those assumptions are not going to be that you were consensually getting a beat down. It's going to be that you're being abused and they're going to start treating. Like there's just reasons to have conversations about what you're doing. You ain't got to go into detail, but like. Exactly. Uh, there's. Good. Good. No, I was just saying, I was agreeing. I'm like, it's exactly. <laughs> Do you know, um, are you familiar with David Melbrich? He's a doctor. I think David's in Atlanta right now. Uh, his name sounds familiar. That's cool. David, um, he's around. He does a lot of work. And the reason I really appreciate following him and some other providers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like there's a group of black gay men, and just gay men in general, black gay men who are healthcare providers who are very intentionally serving other black gay men. And Dr. Milbranch is someone who I remember talking about, like, you know, I'm a black gay man in Atlanta or wherever he is. So if I go out to the gay bar because I'm still social with my community, I'm going to see some of my clients. And we're, we're building a culture, we're building like a relationship in which we understand that like I am your doctor and also we are in this bar together and like that's okay. Like we can have conversation, we can be open about what we're doing in our communities without it being like, oh no, my doctor knows and they're here. Like, yeah, I don't know. No, that that's true. And and that's the weird thing that people don't get. It's like we all have lives outside of where you you originally meet us, right? And when we are meeting our patients and we are establishing that relationship, having that trust is really important. And that's why in the in our community, LGBTQIA two spirit, all those um alphabets there. I always laugh at our alphabets because we keep adding more to them <laughs> as we go on. We do. We do. Like two P's. There's like an F, F in there. there somewhere, somewhere, right? And I was like, okay, just I'm just going to shorten it, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in our community, I, I want to have that conversation that you have to be open with your provider. And if you can't be open with your provider and you feel like you're being judged, then you need to change providers. Mm-hmm. because you have to establish that relationship and have that place of trust where in the event that you do need that help, you can go there and, and have that conversation, right? And mm-hmm. as you said, you want to be able to explain those bruises and, and, and all these things because you were playing the night before or the week before and now you have this big gray, you know, bruise on purple bruise on your body and it's like oh no that's fine and you know they want to call the counselors in for you and it's like 
But you can stop that just by having that conversation, like you said. Just by having a conversation, my friends. Yes. So how do you build that and establish that trust in the beginning, right? With a provider? Yeah. How do you, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I get it. I understand, you know, but being a provider, it's easy for me to say, yeah, just go in there and tell them. But as a patient, as an outsider coming in and you're establishing with a new person, you know, how do you start that conversation? Because as we said, everyone skirts around the sex question. Everybody. <laughs> um, so you and you I have you brought this up, like being your authentic self, mm-hmm. um, coming into a space and like that is always so much easier said than done on every level for many people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I walk into, and I, and I also can say before I get into this, this isn't always the case. Sometimes it's still really hard for me. Um, and I can get more into this in a second too, but like when I go and I'm seeking a healthcare provider, first of all, like there are certain kinds of care that I just seek certain for. I don't do non-black mental health providers, just not a thing I'm interested in anymore. I had a black femme queer person as a healthcare provider and now I'm spoiled and I refuse. Right. Um, so like knowing your boundaries around that, I know some queer people who are like, I don't want what's trans people, like, I don't want like cis people as my provider. I don't want like men as my, like, understand those basic things, understand your needs and the environment that you need to help create a safer like relationship with the person. Um, two, if you can find care, and this is for people I guess you can get, if you, if you can find care that's like specialized, like LGBT clinics, POC clinics, things like that. Um, I find that the smaller clinic type spaces tend to be a little bit better at culturally cultivating mm-hmm. that sense of like, I don't say intimacy, mm-hmm. um, but like safety and like actually feeling like the people in this clinic care about you, even just because they use the right pronouns, like simple stuff like that. I just find that in clinics versus going to bigger hospitals or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, Those have been helpful for me and also creating services and putting them kind of more into the clinics also tend to be more local. um, So that that influences it. Um, that's That's a good question. I think also kind of, I'm going to say like knowing what you need, but sometimes when we're going into healthcare and depending on what you're seeking, you don't know what you need, but like having some sense of specificity, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe is a better way to word that. Um, I guess in other words, but for me, I find that if I'm going to like a provider and I'm nervous and they're new, like I have a list of questions, I'm looking for things around the clinic, I'm asking like things I may even know the answer to just to kind of test their knowledge because if they can't give me the information I need on that, then I know that they're not competent enough to be my provider. Um, And being willing, kind of like you said earlier, being willing to just go. And sometimes you can't do that because you only got one doctor in town. You only got one therapist in town um, or whatever the other reason. But like, if you are able to like relocate and go find services elsewhere, doing that because yeah, there are, there are competent providers. There's resources too. I can think a lot of different folks have pulled together. Like here are providers in different areas for, people seeking like mental health services, people who are paused, who need resources. Like, I think utilizing those sorts of things are really helpful, both from like a patient and provider and of like knowing that the resources exist, 
knowing that there's collaboratives and like collectives of people trying to pull together these resources and trying to make healthcare more accessible for people um, in that way so that even if you can't go to someone that's on that list, they can help you when you do go to your provider by saying like, here's some things that you should ask your person, here's some things to look out for, like just kind of giving guidance. Does that make sense at all? No, it makes perfect sense because we, um, both my husband and I are um, in the LGBTQ community. My husband is transgender male and he mm-hmm. is also um, a veteran and he's mm-hmm. working on his his nurse practitioner degree. So we often have that conversation about where to get health care. Like when we moved here to Arizona, it was one of those things that we really had that serious conversation. Like we just left a place where we were comfortable, where we knew our providers and things. And now we're here. Where can we find that safe space? So unfortunately, we have to travel, right? We have to travel 45 minutes to a specific uh, clinic that is specifically for... LGBT queer individuals, right? Um, and if I offend anyone using the word queer, I'm sorry, I'm old. That's the way I. <laughs> that's the way we started. <laughs> Some people get offended with queer. I'm like, listen, that's how we grew up. I don't understand, but okay. Uh, I'm not trying to offend anyone, um, but in in our community, right? So we have to travel 45 minutes to that clinic. I mean, he does get services at the VA, but outside of that, anything else, mm-hmm. we really just go there. Because, you know, going to the VA is, it was hell until he changed his name. And even then, it's still hell because, you know, some of his notes are, even before he changed his name, he had notes that said he. And I'm like, mm, yeah, he's not he yet, but okay, I guess they are making your records easy <laughs> before you got there. So, you know, it's it's just it's just those things that you have to um, find access. And for a lot of people, it's hard to find that access because you're in these small communities, these small towns, and you're constantly hiding yourself. And then, you know, you have to move to these big cities to get the care because there's no place in those small cities, those small towns. Which a lot of people can't do. Um, there's also just a lot of, and we see this in healthcare and just a lot of issues in general, there's a lot of gatekeeping of transness in healthcare. Mm. Um, I can, from a personal experience, I can always speak to, you know, eight, 10 years ago when I was first like starting hormones and having surgery and stuff. But since then, I don't really engage with healthcare the same way as a, tra- as a trans person or as it pertains to my transness, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in my day, like you had to get letter, like you had to go to like a mental health therapist for like two two years consistently, and to get a letter from them, yes, just to go to a healthcare provider to get your hormones. Mm-hmm. Who then needed another letter to do this to do that, yes. and like I was fortunate slash strategic and trying kind of like socially legally transitioned in Seattle, which is a very kind of trans friendly. I changed my name, like I went to the to the courthouse put in the petition, went and got lunch, came back, my name was changed. It was very simple for me. Um, Everybody doesn't have that. I went to a clinic that, in hindsight, everybody in the clinic might have been trans. I don't really know. Right. You know, I I, I had the benefit, the ability to do that, make it very easy on myself. But even then, it was just like, how am I going to 
and for me as a military bat, like I, I had no way of getting a mental health provider for mm-hmm. two years and then but that's not an option. Um, but yeah, just like, so requiring letters to care, requiring certain like surgeries for admission to certain spaces, um, the way that the healthcare industry even talks about gender in general, regardless of where you at, to me, I have, but I think that, I think it's harmful personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like one, I'm kind of team, like gender has no point in the world. Like if you have one, that's cool, but it doesn't need to be a way that we categorize people socially because it's not actually that relevant right. um, in the same way that like other things might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like I remember a while back, just think about like healthcare and stuff, uh, sex and gender. Older trans rhetoric or trans politics would have this big distinction between like there's gender and there's sex. And gender is the person you are internally, and I'm paraphrasing all of this, this word is not great. Right. Gender is the person you are internally, sex is the external, it's what you're assigned at birth, blah, blah, blah. Um, and in more recent years, I've seen a lot of folks kind of start to push back even against the idea of sex because sex is not necessarily binary. Um, all quote unquote female people do not have XX chromosomes. Like it's, there's a lot happening with the idea of sex and it's still very much a social construct in the same way that gender is. Um, and when it comes to healthcare, like there's not a big reason, like the idea of like women's clinics, for example, mm-hmm. many women's clinics are specifically cis women. First of all, that's first and foremost. Yeah. Um, but like women's issues is broad because when like if you have trans women, erectile dysfunction is a women's issue. Being a sperm donor is a women's issue. If you have quote unquote men's clinics, pregnancy for trans men is an issue. And so when you start having these gender spaces that aren't actually being quote unquote all inclusive of the many things that people of this gender can experience, mm-hmm. it just becomes harmful. It's in the way. There's no point for it. And I think that like culturally, if we could get to a point where we could like understand like gender is important in that like it is a thing of identity, but it is not something that we need to use in the space of healthcare, in the space of even athletics, but I'll get to that attention another day. Um, gender is not the reason that people have an illness. And so there's no real need to categorize, we categorize it in that way we're missing a lot of people, missing a lot of trans people who are dropping out of care because they can't access it. We're missing a lot of queer people. We're missing a lot of cis people, honestly. Yeah. Um, just because of like, it, uh, even insurance coding. Like, yes. I remember learning about insurance coding, like the way things have to get coded so people can get just very basic things taken care of. This has become a rant. I, I'm done. No, so, so you boss. are fine. Um, it's a rant that I am very familiar with because it's a rant that I've gone on several times. <laughs> and, you know, you. it's just, I, 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 I'm sitting here nodding like a bobblehead, like, yes, <laughs> yes. This is just like oh. crazy because, and, and I teach my nursing students this, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's one of these cultural pieces and inclusivity inclusive pieces that are missing in healthcare. And I says, guys, look at the person that's in front of you. All right. If they are transgender, male, female, they're like, well, how do we know? Um, one, you can ask, right? Two, you can look at their medication list if they're on hormones. Okay. Yes, there are men that are on hormones, but yeah, you don't know. You can ask. 
All right. I said, because there are going to be certain preventative things that we have to do if they're a transgender male, right? Mm -hmm. If you have not had a hysterectomy, if you have not, um, if you haven't had top surgery or whatever, there, there are things that we still have to pay attention to. And men do get breast cancer, mm-hmm. right? So we still have to do these checks. So you have to know the person that you're dealing with. And there's this YouTube clip that I always play in class. And it's to treat me, you have to know me. Mm-hmm. Right? And I said that alone, the name alone, title alone speaks volumes because to treat anybody, you have to know them. And the only way to know them is to have a conversation and ask those uncomfortable questions. I think there's a way, I think there's a way we can ask uncomfortable questions, professor can ask uncomfortable questions in ways that are hurt. Because like, one struggle is, I don't say a struggle per se, a barrier, perhaps not a barrier. One thing that happens is, for example, you have a lot of trans people for whom being trans is a medical issue and not a political or social identity. Mm-hmm. If you ask them, are you trans? They're going to tell you no, because right. the way they relate to their gender is not in a trans way. It's in a, I'm, I, you know, I am X gender. I've always been X gender. This is who I, I am. Transition. Yeah. So like having like having a cultural awareness of things like that, having cultural awareness of people who are stealth and what being stealth means and what being stealth doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, having cultural awareness of like, okay, so you have, you know, trans masculine folks, there's people in general who haven't had top surgery and may be dysphoric about their chest and may also bind and do not want anybody ever anytime to come near their chest. How can we get work with this person to get them to do their own sort of exam or to get them yes. can we can we create a buddy system at our clinic where we have like others, just a random idea, but like <laughs> we have some volunteer trans men who are like, Hey, I will volunteer to come in once a week and help other trans guys who have dysphoria do like chest exams on themselves in a way that like feels safe and affirming. They know no one is like misgendering them, like stuff like that. Yes. I would love to see more things like that. Yeah. Um, like I would love to see more community care models. Cause really you have to, I think you have to lean in on those communities yeah. to help get the, the resource and info that you want to help get the practice of like, okay, this person is just straight up, like they're never going to take off their binder. We're never going to do a chest exam. They're never going to talk about their hormone because that's extremely triggering for them exactly. in the context of a healthcare provider. But like, how can we not? How can we not? Thing? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the conversation that is really hard to have because you don't want to trigger anyone, right? That's that's not our goal. Our goal is to maintain your health and wellness as best as we can. So that it, it that right there just trails back to what we were saying in the beginning is being comfortable with your provider and establishing that in the beginning. And that alleviates all that other conversation later and I don't in and honestly why is it uncomfortable for who for the other person to ask these questions because it then that just leads me to another train of thought what happened in your life 
What happened to you? What happened to you that having this conversation makes it uncomfortable? But that's another rant. I think itself. some of it. I think it's important. Like, I think some of it for people in general and like different conversations is being sensitive to rejection, being sensitive to like I don't want to offend someone. I don't not to be terribly dramatic, but I don't want to be the reason that someone goes home and kills himself tonight because I misgendered them or I used the wrong language. Mm-hmm. And uncertainty, like there's so many, especially when it comes to trans, there's so many like words and just gender and stuff that you have to kind of learn if you don't know these things which a lot of healthcare providers don't know. Right. Um, then it's like, I just feel like a fish out of water because I'm trying to do the right thing, but I'm using all the wrong words and I just want to make you feel a better person, but you hate me and like, I can get why conversations are difficult and then like from a client and a patient in. Mm-hmm. Um, similar things like being sensitive to rejection, but also knowing that like if your doctor rejects you and you can't have, you don't have somewhere else to go, then you don't get healthcare, then you, you get sick and you can die or mm-hmm. like whatever. Um, and so like for trans people, like having to perform, trans people have had to perform gender and perform things a lot just to be safe and being stuck in that because like at the end of the day, because gender and privilege and all of that is what it is, like binary trans people, for example, are going to have an easier time than like non-binary gender non-conforming trans people right. because of the way that we socially understand gender. Mm-hmm. So if I, as a gender non-conforming trans person, know that, hell yeah, I'm going to glitch it up when I go to the clinic because I don't really feel like going through 50, 11 sessions about like, are you really trans with someone who's just supposed to be prescribed, prescribed like med- anxiety meds or something. Exactly. Um, there's a lot of that. I just I think about it on like a like a big big level. What would need to happen? And it's just like so many smaller cultural things that I think are shifting. I think that things like uh, I was going to telemarketing. That's not the word I'm looking for. Telehealth. Thank you, mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you. Um, things like telehealth, and I've seen like more apps, and I'm sure there's a word for it, like, like folks health, for example. Yeah, um, I think clearly. Clearly health, maybe another one mm-hmm. um, of just folks creating resources for like, Hey, you want to just get your hormones mailed to you once a month instead of having to go to the healthcare provider and like disclose all of this. Cause another thing I also think uh, may not come up is a lot of trans people I know anywhere I have known have different providers, for different purposes, which is really exhausting. If you, if you don't have like a one stop shop clinic. Yeah. Um, so like there are points where even I had like, I had a, like a trans health guy, my hormones, all of that. And then I have a general primary care provider mm-hmm. and that primary care provider didn't touch my hormone stuff and was actually kind of trans So he has like, you know, did buy that. But yeah, there, there's that. Oh my goodness. I've had so many like questionable, like I once had, this was at an LGBT quote unquote clinic in Baltimore. And if you're in Baltimore, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you're familiar um, went in somehow wound up getting a pap smear and in the middle of the pap smear these resident students just walk in what no <laughs> and right and like I'm the kind of person I freeze mm-hmm. like my, my trauma response I just freeze and I'll freeze for five minutes or I'll just freeze period mm-hmm. and you know they're like oh it's okay and I'm just like I mean yeah and I'll start like I fawn I make jokes to kind of try to lighten the load right. but like no, it's not. And I, don't, I fortunately don't have tons of bottom dysphoria, but like I also don't want a bunch of resident med students in here 
partially because I know they're in here because I'm trans. Exactly. And that you're trying to show them, like, this is what a trans body looks like in a way that's not great because you didn't even ask them first. Exactly. Um, I've had issues with, when I was first trying to get prescribed years ago, um, being denied access to PrEP because I was allegedly not at risk, despite the fact that, the, to my understanding, the three highest, uh, like, the communities have the highest rates of HIV statistically are Black trans women, yeah, Black gay men, mm-hmm. and Black cis women. Yep. So it baffles me that a healthcare provider will make this assumption as a Black trans man when I'm like, okay, so I am trans, like one of Black. I am trans, which means I'm navigating very similar circumstances around identity and social as trans women, so there's that risk there. Mm-hmm. I'm queer slash gay, which means I'm heavily interacting and having sex with gay men, which puts me at risk. Two, same risk as gay men. Three, and at time when we talk about like the like prep, like little nothing that everybody talks about, prep is not as effective for quote unquote female bodies as it is for male bodies. Mm-hmm. And so like, when we talk about like HIV prevention, just the general way we talk about sexual health and the lack of care there is for quote unquote female bodies and how all of our care centers people with penises, boom, three. Like you have, you have these ways that like we're falling through cracks because people don't just, anyway. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. Because I got frustrated. That's okay. <laughs> it happens to me very I was, often. I was on it and I was like, and I forgot what I was going to say because now I'm annoyed. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's just, it's that whole healthcare piece that it's it, it needs to be broken down and overhauled all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to look at it through a different lens and not that... Um, monocle lens of a male perspective, which we've been looking through in a cis man perspective um, as we have been for eons, right? Um, And it's going to take a lot of us having this conversation and bringing it to the forefront to make those changes. So that's why I, I I just really wanted you to come on and just talk about those pieces because they're they're not talked about and and I know there are a lot of people out there who need to know that there's a way to navigate this and you know even though we may be in far apart there we can help each other which is the whole purpose of community right we can help each other some way somehow we can help each other so I appreciate that, and yeah, and you know, for for talking about that and mentioning that, and you know, it, it's man, I just, I mean, we can go on healthcare and beat it to a pulp, um, <laughs> and still get nowhere, and, and the juice will probably suck afterwards. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's just one of those things that we we have to find a way to navigate and make our pay, and make everyone comfortable with receiving health care because I mean there's no reason why aside from people's stupidity and ignorance and I know you can't fix stupid I've been trying to fix stupid forever and you can't fix stupid you can't do it you're just going to get frustrated so you gotta have to navigate around it and find what works for you and that's that is really the premise of 
you know, the gist of this conversation that we just had is just that you need to find a way to navigate it and have those conversations and be comfortable to have those conversations and find someone that you are comfortable with to have those conversations to help you navigate the crazies of today's healthcare. The crazies of the healthcare. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of really cool resources coming out or that exist. I'm going to just shamelessly plug some that I have been involved in because sure. they're cool. Dang it. No, no, if it uh, works, let's go. <laughs> so, okay, so there's one app, and I don't, forgive me for not knowing this at the moment, I do not know if it has launched for the public just yet, but it's called Transpire. And Transpire was an app I um, helped. I helped give feedback and create some of the content for it. It was like kind of a small cohort of trans masculine people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a partner app to another one called HealthFinder. HealthFinder, um, I believe, was originally developed as like a prep access kind of tool. Like you can go and ask questions and like Q&A and order prep straight from your phone, all of that stuff. Okay. And there became conversation about to some regard, trans people need, or trans masculine people need something similar, but like the questions that you ask a cis man are going to probably be a bit different than the questions you ask a trans man as it pertains to their physical body and the way they have sex and the language you use, um, and some of the like risk things. So for whatever reason, long story short, they made a separate app, um, and going through the last edition I saw of it, it was a really, like they put a lot of care and time into just trying to get things like language down because information on there was not anything new. It's nothing you can't Google, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the work that we were doing was how do we make this language accessible to trans masculine people in general? Because everybody uses a different language for their body, but like you see a lot of content either just say like penis or vagina and like fine. And you know, anatomy terms, we get it, but like, that's not how all people relate to their bodies. Everybody who has a mobile vagina doesn't, relate to it in that way right and it's important to catch that because that's core part of a lot of people's dysphoria mm-hmm. so like i thought transpired did a really good job with that um i'll double check and i can actually follow up with you and see if they're like formally launched now um it still says a un- study yeah it still says a study mm-hmm. it still says a study app I, w- I was just as you were talking i was opening it because <laughs> that's what i do i multitask um i support this though no, it's it's awesome. I mean, and um, I'm going to actually sign up for it and and see what's happening on there. Because um, it was really cool working on Because you know, I love stuff like this, and we can share. And with technology now, there's really no reason why someone can say I don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know because you choose not to know. You don't know because you choose not to learn. So. Um, you know, it's a choice. It's a choice because there's no reason you you can't. I mean, if you can Google and, and tell Siri to open your door and, and, you know, put your favorite song on, why can't you look up a term or look up something about a person or whatever the case may be? So, again, it's a choice. Everyone has a choice, right? Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. We're going to get off the healthcare kick just for a minute. Um, because that is a soapbox that I can just go on and on and on and on and on about. Can I just tell y'all that this conversation with Sean was freaking amazing. Like I've never been, now I'm always excited to talk to my guests, but this, when we talk about healthcare, 
that really excites me. And when we talk about LGBT, transgender healthcare, that really excites me because that's an area of disparity that we really do not get to touch upon. And that's an area that outside of my personal spaces and outside of someone specifically asking me to speak about it, I don't get to talk about. So it was really exciting to have Sean on the air. And I like like I said, I can go on and on about healthcare, healthcare issues, how to fix the disparity, and just hearing him from you know being on the transgender side. Yeah, I know I hear it from my husband and we have conversations about it, but it's so nice to collaborate with another soul who understands and can also help me learn, right? Because just because it's my community doesn't mean I don't have anything to learn. And I learn something every time I have a conversation with another peer that is either in healthcare, not in healthcare, but we're talking about LGBT health and wellness and presenting your authentic self every time that you enter a, a room and being comfortable with who you are. And so, as I said, Sean, it's always a pleasure. And you, you, <laughs> like my, me and my husband said, you're family, you're part of the family. And I just love having conversations with you. And I can't wait to have many, many more. So guys, this is part one of our conversation. And this one is just, like I said, I can talk on and on about health and wellness and how to get the best care from your providers and how to ask questions. And that's one of the things that we don't do as patients. We are part of the healthcare team, okay? my Your doctors, your nurse practitioners, your nurses can't function without you because you are the vital team member. We are there to help you achieve um, maximum health and wellness. So you're a part of the team. So come in, ask your questions. Don't feel bad for asking questions if you don't understand something. We expect that. And those who are excellent providers will prompt you to ask questions, will ask you, do you understand? And will make sure that they can see that you understand. Um, when I have conversations with my patients, when I was in practice, I made sure I was sitting at eye level. We were having that conversation. That patient can see my face, my expressions, because those nonverbal cues are really important, right? So, you know, not only what I was saying, but my body language matched what I was saying. And they can see that I care and I'm vested in their health and how they feel. So those are the things that we want to look for in our healthcare providers. And I appreciate Sean coming in and sharing his version and his understanding and his experience as being um, a part of the LGBT community and having to seek out health and wellness. And um, oh, God, and I appreciate you talking about you know what triggers you and how you respond because that is also something important, especially for our mental health. A lot of us have triggers and knowing what our triggers are and how to deal with them helps us cope through our days and also helps us continue to bring our authentic self to the table. So again, Sean, thank you so much and we definitely will be in touch. Um, so if you guys enjoyed our conversation, please send us a message and let us know. And I definitely would love to hear from everyone about the topic. And if you wanna hear more about the topic, definitely let me know that as well. And also, I want you to be able to share your experiences 
with us as well. So please, if you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the page. And um, also, we have, oh my gosh, so much. I mean, this, like I said, this conversation was amazing. Um, but subscribe to the page. And if you have questions, please feel free to email me at DC. Um, sorry, DC at the eclectic.com. And also you can find me on Facebook, DC Soulful Eclectic, and on Instagram, the.soulfuleclectic. And then of course, my website, www.thesoulfuleclectic.com. All right, guys. So with that, I will leave you until next week with part two comes out. And that one is not one to be missed. I'm telling you. That one, we really got down and dirty. So um, I, I definitely want you guys to chime in and, and join us in for that one as well. And um, do take care of each other and yourself. Self-care is not selfish. So please practice self-care, mental and physical. So with that, I leave you guys. Take care of yourself and each other. And again, if you have not subscribed to the page, please do so. All right. We got a lot of new things coming out and I want to be able to share that with everyone and um, just want you to be a part of the tribe, right? I, I just love that my family is part of the tribe and we want to keep you part of the tribe and keep you in the know. So subscribe. All right. I'll see you. Ooh, I won't see you, but I'll talk to you next week.